Well, hello, podcast world. This is another episode of Spitting Fire with Keatris. Actually, it's episode number 10. And this is wrapping up season number one for Spitting Fire with Keatris. I am your host, Keatris Keys. And it has been a tumultuous season for Spitting Fire with Keatris. There have been weeks and at times that I did not record. But praise be to God, I'm here today with the final episode of season one. And I am so grateful that you all have been listening and have subscribed to Spitting Fire with Keatris. I am in um, high expectation for season number two. I will be um, interviewing other fire spitters. And yeah, we're just going to see where God takes us with this podcast. So let's get into um, the topic for today. And it is entitled, The Prodigal's Brother. The prodigal's brother. Now, we always hear about the prodigal son and how he asked his dad to give him what he, um, his inheritance so he could go out and, you know, live the life that he wanted to live. But I was reading and, um, yeah, the brother of the prodigal son just jumped out to me. So we're going to talk about the prodigal's brother today. And in reading and studying the story of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son, I came to um, discover that the other brother was lost as well. So the father didn't just have one son that was lost. He had two sons that were, that were lost. He just had one that was away from home lost. And then he had one that was at home lost. Let that sit with you for just a minute. So let's just see. In reading this. We're going to start at, let's see, um, verse number 25. So it's Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start at verse number 25. And it says, now his older son was in the field, and he's, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called out to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatty calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother. For your brother was dead. And is alive again and was lost and is found. So what I came to realize in this passage of scripture is that, like I said earlier, both sons were lost. And we read in the scripture where when the brother found out that the um, uh, that the prodigal had returned, that he remained outside and he would not go inside of his father's house. He remained outside of the father's house. And the father came out to plead with him, to beg him to come in. The father came out to plead with him and to beg him to come in. 
that's the kind of father we serve. Even when we're outside the, you know, the parameters of what God uh, has ordained for us or what are or, or the parameters of, of what God has for us in life, following his commandments. Even we, when we are outside of those parameters, God still beckons for us to come back to him. He still extends that unconditional love for us to come back to him. No matter what we've done, he still has that unconditional love for us. So, um, point number one is that the brother thought because if he followed all the rules, regulations, laws, bylaws, that he would be, you know, um, you know, that he would be given a pat on the back or that he was, he thought he was better and he deserved high accolades because, you know, he stayed at home and he followed all of the commandments that his dad had set before him. So, you know, he had the attitude of, you know, I checked all the boxes, you know, um, I did everything you asked me to do. And that's just like us working for our God. You know, we, we say, you know, we checked all the boxes, God. I paid my tithes. I gave to the poor. You know, I attended church every Sunday. I, I attended every Sunday school service. Um, I was on every auxiliary at the church. You know, when you, when, when the pastor called on somebody to do something, I was standing up ready to go, you know, to do what it is that needed to be done. So, um, I deserve a pat on the back. I want my name called. I want my name in lights. You know, I need to be recognized for what I done. So this is the attitude that the brother had, that the prodigal's brother had. You know, I've been here with you all these years. I didn't leave you. I stay here with you. I did everything you asked me to do. Yet he comes back and he gets the fatted calf and you wouldn't even give me a goat. See, the brother didn't realize that he was in the father's house. He had everything that his father had. He didn't have to ask for a fatted calf. He had free reign of everything that was there. Wow, isn't that something to think about? You're looking over there at what, how somebody else is being blessed and you don't even recognize the blessings that you have that the Father has given you because you're watching how he's blessing somebody else. Hmm. Isn't that just like us? So he's, he's saying that, you know, I've done all of this and he gets the fatty calf. I don't even get a goat. Not realizing he had access to the goat all the time. He felt that if he just did, you know, all the right things, you know, he would make it in. You know, we feel like, you know, if we, like I said, go to church every Sunday and and pay our tithes and 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 check off all the boxes and wear the right clothes and 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 all of that outward stuff that we'll make it in. But how many of you know that it's not the outward that's going to get us in? It's not checking all the boxes that's going to get us in. It's not attending every church service. It's not being in all the auxiliaries that's going to get us in. It's what's on the inside of our hearts, the love that God has for us, and how we exhibit it to our brothers and sisters. How we allow Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our life and totally commit and sell out to him, that's what's going to get us in. So he felt shortchanged by his father. Question, have you ever felt shortchanged by God? Have you ever felt like your service was overlooked? Have you ever felt like, you know, I deserve more than, than this for everything that I've done? 
Have you allowed pride to get you in a place where you think you can earn God's grace, where you think you can earn his blessings? This is just some, you know, some self-inventory. You know, um, go inside yourself and ask yourself these questions. So number one was, point number one was he thought, you know, because he followed all the rules and regulations that he deserved more. So number two, I'm going to ask the question of what, you know, uh, what was his motive for even staying at his father's house? Why did he even stay there? After studying, I came to realize that he was not there because he loved his father. He was there to receive. He was there to get what he could get. Because if he, you know, if he had love, if he loved what, you know, his father, he, he wouldn't have had that pious attitude when his brother returned. He wasn't after his father's heart. He was after his father's hand. You know, the prodigal took his path early on and went out and spent it. But the brother was just waiting on his father to die so he could get what was coming to him. And then the thought popped in my mind, you know, the, the after after the, the prodigal's father received him and how happy he was to see him, I could just see, you know, me just thinking about if my son had left home, me um, looking for him and, and, and praying that he come back. And then I thought, I wonder if the brother ever prayed with his dad for this, for his brother to return. I wonder if the brother ever went out to look for his brother with his father. But this attitude that's exhibited in the scripture lets me know that he wasn't concerned about his brother coming back home. Because actually Jesus could have gave us this parable and he could have stopped right where the prodigal returned and we could have just gotten, you know, um, the revelation that no matter, you know, how far we get away from God, that he's always there to receive us. But he allowed the, the, the second part to be added, showing us the attitude of the brother that was remaining at home. He didn't have to let us see that. But he let us see that for a reason, because so many times in life, we do the same thing. So many times in life, you know, we, 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 we're, we're looking over in somebody else's pasture and seeing what they got and how they're being blessed instead of being thankful to God for what we've, we've got in our house. So, question. Hmm. Just another little self-inventory. Why are you serving God? Why do you do what you do in the kingdom? Is it because he promised you a mansion or, or because he promised you that you would walk on streets paid with gold? Is it because he promised you a crown? Think about it. Why are you serving God? Are you serving him because you're after what's in his hand and not in his heart? Or are you serving him because you need him more than you need your next breath? Now, if you're only serving God to get a dream job, dream house, dream car, Prince Charming, Queen, Queen of Sheba, if that's why you're serving God, then I've got to tell you that that's not, you know, I, I got to submit to you today that, that those motives are tainted. Those are tainted motives and you need to clean that up. You need to clean that up. 
because we are not to serve God for what's in his hand. We are to serve him for what's in his heart. We are to serve God because he is the great I am. He is our everlasting father. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why we are to serve God. We are to serve God because he is who he is. We are to serve God because he is majestic. He is everlasting. His name is great and greatly to be praised because of who he is. Because he is the I am that I am. That is why we are to serve God. Not because we're looking for him to hand us something. Not because I'm going to run behind God because I know he's got these good blessings that he's going to bestow upon me. No, you don't do that. That's tainted. That needs to be cleaned up. Take a self-inventory today and see what your motives is, motives are for serving God. Just like the prodigal's brother, what was his motives for staying in his father's house? Look at his attitude. Search this passage of scripture for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Go to Luke chapter 15 and read about the parable of the lost son and see the attitude of the prodigal's brother. Then do some self-inventory. Do some, some introspection of yourself and see if you have that type of attitude. And if you do, let me just let you know that Jesus is a forgiving God. He will forgive you for that. But first, you have to acknowledge that your motives are tainted. So I submit that you need to love Jesus for who he is and not for what he can give you. Point number three, the other brother was unforgiving. Luke 15 and 30 says, but as soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fat calf for him. Not saying that I am glad with you, dad, that he has returned. My brother is back home. No, he's sitting up in his daddy's face telling him, you know, soon as he come back, oh, you just pull out, pull out the red carpet for him. You put a robe on him. You give him a ring. You put shoes on his feet. You set him up. And here I am, been here with you all these years, and you, you ain't even give me nothing. So we see that his attitude, he has an unforgiving attitude. He does not want to forgive his brother. He does not want to receive his brother back home. Because now he's like, okay, well, you took your half and you done already spent it. Now, whatever's left, daddy's going to split this between us and I'm going to get a smaller slice of the pie. That's what he's looking at. That's what he's looking at. His slice ain't going to be as big as he thought it was going to be. Now he mad. He big mad. Yeah, he big man. Now, his attitude is saying, you know, you kill a fatty calf for him and 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 now you you going to forgive him? Well, I'm not forgiving him. He's saying, you know, you you may forgive him for his filthy dirty sins, but I'm not forgiving him for his filthy dirty sins. His standards were higher than his father's, so he thought. Whew. My God, wasn't he arrogant? I'm to my real arrogant, pompous and pious and all of that. Question. Here we go with some self-inventory. Are you guilty of holding on to someone's past and being unforgiving? 
That is the biggest thing that keeps us from obtaining the blessings of God is that we hold on to unforgiveness. We can't forgive anybody for anything. It does not matter that God forgives us. And he said, we, if we want to be forgiven, we got to forgive. We just read that scripture, but we don't really, we don't really pull it into our hearts. We just read over it. Like, you know, that scripture don't apply to me because what he done to me or what she done to me cannot be forgiven. See, you don't understand the hurt that I went through. See, you don't understand what this person did to me. And at the same time, you are not understanding the, the, the lashes that Jesus took for you. You're not understanding the, the, the true picture of the crucifixion of everything that he took upon himself because of you. And you have the nerve to have an unforgiving spirit. Trust me, I had to eat this before I put it to you. Because I was one that was really unforgiving, but I wanted God to forgive me for every sin that I committed. How in God's name could I expect him to forgive me when I went to him with unforgiveness in my heart? Come on, people. We got to do better. We got to get this thing right. So are you guilty of holding on to someone's past? Are you guilty of being unforgiving? If you are, I submit to you today that you better let it go. You better let God get you right. You better give it to God. Let him clean up your heart. Forgive whoever you're holding a grudge against. Because that will land you in hell. And no, baby, I ain't judging you. I'm just telling you that the Bible said, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. And if you don't get forgiven, you're going to hell. That's scripture. That's scripture. So if you get mad at anybody, you got to get mad at God because that's his word, not mine. Don't we do this all the time? Hold on to people's past sins. You know, instead of offering forgiveness, you know, instead of instead of saying, oh, I forgive you because I've done some things in my life that I know I had to be forgiven for. So I want to exhibit this same love and forgiveness towards you. No, no, that's not what we want to do. We want to hold on to the dirt so we can dig it up at any given time and throw it up in the person's face. That's what we want to do. Well, I want to let you know today that you need to stop playing in the dirt of people's past. When you're playing the dirt, you lose ground. And when you lose ground, you just, you can't go nowhere but down. Stop playing in the, in the dirt of people's past. Come up out the dirt. Stop playing in the dirt. When you play in the dirt, you lose ground. And when you lose ground, you know where to go. there's nowhere to go for you but down. If our father can't forgive, then why can't we? Why can't we have the same forgiving spirit that God had toward us? That's one of the biggest tactics of the enemy to keep you bound is unforgiveness. And then that unforgiveness turns into bitterness. And then that your heart just gets all dark and hard and nobody can get in and you can't get out. Well, the enemy just did what he wanted to do to you. He got you trapped in a cage. He got you trapped in a cage. The only time Jesus played in the dirt was to heal and forgive. He got down and played in the dirt when they brought the woman to him who was caught in the very act of adultery. The Bible says that he wrote in the dirt. I don't know what he wrote, but I know that he said, you without seeing cast the first stone. And I know that the scripture says that they all dropped their stones and turned away. And I know that the scripture says that he asked the woman, where are thou accusers? And I know that the scripture said 
they she said they uh, there are none they because they all gone he said well if they didn't you know they ain't condemning you neither am i go and sin no more now that's what jesus did for the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery he he wrote in the dirt but he wrote in the dirt to forgive then he played in the dirt made some clay and put some uh mud on the on a man's eyes and, and told him to go watch so he could receive his his um his healing. So he played in the dirt then to to heal. So I submit to you, if you're gonna play in the dirt and get dirty, then you better be playing in the dirt and get dirty to pull somebody up out of the dirt. But don't play in the dirt to throw that pass up in their face. Cause some of that dirt gonna get on you. Stay out of the dirt. Do not have the attitude of the prodigal, prodigal's brother. Do not have that attitude that, that you are deserving of something because you checked all the boxes. You don't have the attitude that you are deserving of something because, you know, I kept all the commandments and, and I did everything just like the father wanted me to do. No, baby, that is not the attitude to have. We are to be grateful. We are to be forgiving. We are to be after God for his heart, not for what's in his hand. Because he is the everlasting. Because he is all-knowing. Because he because he's God. That's why we go after him. That's why we seek after him. That's why we pant for him like a deer after the water brook. That's why we do what we do. Not to obtain some type of, of, of accolades and not to obtain some type of reward because, because we checked all the boxes or we got it right. Praise God that you got it right. And then have the attitude of God, help me to keep it right. That's the attitude you should have. That's the attitude we should have. And I have to say we because I've been guilty of, of, of exactly what I'm saying to you. I have to be transparent. I can't sit up here and tell you to get it right if I don't get it right myself. So we have to, we have to be after God's heart because he is, he is our all in all. We have to be after God's heart because he is Yahweh. We have to be after God's heart because because he, I mean, there's none that can compare to him. We have to be after God's heart because there's none that, that can compete with him. There's none that can stand next to him. He is the all knowing, all true, all living God. That's why we are to seek after him. We have a God that will remain when everything else is gone. That's why we are to seek after him. We serve the big G God, not the little G God, not the gods of, of Baal that, that Elijah called down fire and burned up all. No, we don't serve them. We don't serve gods that, that, that cannot hear, that cannot see. We don't serve those type of gods that go to sleep and we got the call on them all night and they never wake up. We don't serve those type of gods that will leave us in the fire and not deliver us. We don't serve the type of God that will leave us in the water to drown. No, the God we serve says that when you go through the fire, and when you go through the water, the flood, I will be there with you. 
That's the God we serve, and that's why we seek after him, because of his heart and not because of his hand. So I submit to you today, if you are seeking after God because of what's in his hand, your motives are tainted, and you need to go to him and ask him to create in you a clean heart and renew the right spirit within you. Ask him to wash you and make you clean, white as snow. And I promise you, he will. Because he says, though your sins be as red as scarlet, come to me, confess them to me, and I will wash you white as snow. Go to him. He's waiting on you. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast that have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I submit to you today that he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you with open arms for you to come to him and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I repent of my sins right now and I accept you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I promise you, I promise you he's waiting on you and that's all you have to do. You don't have to jump over no benches and you ain't got to turn no flips. All you got to do is go to him with a repentant heart and cry out to him. He will wash you white as snow and he will make you into the person that you were ordained to be from the foundation of the world because he has purpose for you. That's what I submit to you today. That's what I submit to you today. I introduce you to Jesus Christ. Your life will never be the same. I appreciate every one of you that are listening to this podcast. Stick with me through season number two. It's going to get a little bit better. Your life is going to get a little bit better. No, your life is going to get a whole lot better, actually, if you are a child of God. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't, Don't give in. Hang on in there. Because he is in the blessing business. I appreciate you for listening to spitting fire with Ketris. Until next time, continue spitting the fire of the word of God.